Thursday Finance, coming up next with Stephen Pritchard joining me, Jane Klein, and today we're going to look at end-of-year tax planning. And uh, we'll also have our market update with Henry Jennings and take a look at currencies and commodities. And I don't know about you, but I'm just a little bit confused about the current superannuation contribution situation. And Stephen, the new superannuation rules are slightly confusing for people like me because some things come in July next year, some things... Came out from now. budget night, yeah. From budget the, night. the major issue that applies from budget night is the uh, non-concessional contributions. Um, the, they've been capped at five hundred thousand dollars, based from first uh, of July two thousand and seven. So if you've put more than five hundred thousand dollars in, um, you're fine. If you if if you've put less than five hundred thousand dollars in. You, you can't contribute more than $500,000 since that date. Now, the problem arises is because um, the legislation to, to put this cap hasn't actually been passed um, and we're in the middle of a federal election. So, so, so technically, um, you can put more than your five. You can, you, technically, the old bring forward rules still apply. Um, you can put the money in um, today and, um, you know, you're in compliance with the law. But if the government gets back and if the government passes the legislation in the lower house and the upper house and gets royal assent... Um, and the legislation is to apply from the date it was announced, which is pretty much standard procedure these days, um, whether it's right or wrong, um, you will then be not complying with the law. Now, I would expect that um, that if you go ahead and put this $500,000 in and you turn out to be not to comply in the law, the usual penalties will apply, which could be quite substantial. So so, so our advice would be that if you're going to put, you want to put this additional amount of barbie in, um, I would wait till after the legislation's actually passed or it's, or it's finally determined that it's not going to pass because, um, you know, you don't get a tax deduction for the money that's going in, so you've really got nothing to lose by, by waiting. waiting. Okay. Whereas if you put the money in um, and then the legislation does get passed, um, there may be substantial penalties and you may have to take it out and, and um, what about it'll the limit just be of, a big mess. What about the limit of 25000 a year contributions? Uh, well, that, that's fine. You, you can, you, the the 35000 still applies because that doesn't come into 2017. Right, so that part's still... So the old rules still apply on your deductible contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 you can still make concessional contributions and you just may have to bear in mind you can only make them up to 500000 that you've contributed back to 2007. I mean, we've actually started pulling the files out to, to work out what's been put in um, mm. um, back to that, which isn't mm. an easy job. No. Well, let's turn we're to we're something... We're talking eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, let's turn to something that is a bit easier and see what commodities have been doing in the past week instead of the past 10 years. The commodities in the past week. Well, uh, the, the, the gold price... Was was up again in Australian dollar terms to one thousand seven hundred fifty nine dollars, which is another reason why the gold stocks are continuing to have a good run. Or the gold producing stocks, as distinct from the gold exploration stocks, the ones that are actually producing and mining and selling gold, are continuing to have a good run on the market um, for the last week or so. Uh, the silver price was up uh, point, you know, almost one cent, one percent to twenty three dollars, and um, twenty three dollars sixty eight. 
an ounce, and the copper price was down 0.6 to $6,359 a tonne, and the nickel price was down uh, 0.3 to $11,950 a tonne. So in summary, you know, the, the precious metal prices in Australian dollar continue to go up, which is primarily because of the Australian dollar continues to fall. Um, and once again, the, the dollar was down another 1.2% on the week to $72.36 to $72.36 US cents, rather. Uh, we were down against the British pound by 2.2% to 49 pence. And we were also uh, down against the New Zealand dollar to 1.07 US dollars. Surprisingly, we were up against the euro of well, marginally up to 64 euro cents. No, we'll take any, so, gra- so, any so gains. You can, go, <laughs> you can go to Europe, but not the US. Right. Okay. Um, okay. And um, the All Ordinaries Index was you know, pretty much stable for the week. It was down marginally 0.26%, but uh, 5,420 points, but really not much. Um, the US Dow uh, was down 1% on the week to 7, 17,526 points. And the Hang Seng, which is the Hong Kong market, was down 1.1% to 19,826. So, so really around the world there wasn't much movement in equity markets mm. at all. What about oil? But oil, you know, oil was interesting. Uh, oil was wax tested in the immediate crude was up 10.23% to $66.87. So, so the price of oil, you know, in the last month, it's gone up almost $10 a barrel. Part of that's, because we're talking $8 terms, part of that's because of the um, the, the price, of the $8 fallen by about 4%. So underlying, it's still a 6% price increase. And the price of petrol, which is dear to Jane's heart because she's got <laughs> such a big SUV vehicle that uses a lot of petrol. Uh, <laughs> I would say I wish, but I don't wish. No, I don't have one either. <laughs> um, so, so we're down to a litre, which is down 1.167% for the week, which is still, which is still, um, you know, compared to compared to less than a month ago, we were at dollar four. Mm. Um, we're still up, um, you know, almost twenty percent. Mm. Yes. And in Sydney, um, it was up six percent to a dollar fourteen a litre. So there's only five cents a litre difference between Sydney and Newcastle. Um, but you know, last week there was twelve cents, and the diesel price was up one point two percent to a dollar. Fifteen a litre, and Sydney was a dollar eleven cents a litre. To a new RFM, twenty-seven past twelve. Thursday finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners. And joining us now from Marcus Today Financial Newsletter is Henry Jennings with Stephen Pritchard, of course, for our market snapshot. Hi, Henry. Coca-Cola appears to be having a bit of technical difficulties with their with their growth numbers. Yeah, this is, I was quite surprised about this when I. I read in the uh, the papers this morning that Coca-Cola is blaming the federal election on a slowdown in consumer confidence. I'm not sure how a federal election would really influence your um, your decision making on buying a can of Coke or Sprite. But there you go. But they certainly have had some uh, issues um, in Indonesia and also in Australia. They're fighting for shelf space, and also there's some pretty serious price competition going on with um, with Pepsi and Schweppes as well. So. Mm. Um, not doing it, to, I mean, not disastrous, but certainly um, Alison Watkins is doing a good job. She's the CEO, but um, really sort of low single-digit growth gains um, and obviously some risks. They're morphing into more healthy drinks mm. uh, with less sugar, but um, you know, it takes time. And, um, yeah, so I think there's some, certainly some risks involved in Coca-Cola. It's not the, um, 
not the easy kind of staple that it used to be. Yeah, I mean, you would have wondered how many more cans of cake or bowls of cake you can actually sell, to be honest. I mean, well, they, I mean, they've moved into uh, you know, spring waters yep. and the monster energy drinks and all those sorts of things. So, um, And obviously they've expanded overseas as much as they can, and given that their territories are very much... Um, specified by um, head office, but um, they have pushed into Indonesia and other places mm. in the region, so um, that's helped, but it, obviously um, you know, there are some uh, some headwinds that they face. And um, and Dulux, though, seems to be doing quite well. Their, their profit, well, their interest profit was up 3.7% to 63.7 million for the half. Yeah. The, um, the figures were okay. Um, the figures were okay, and obviously um, everyone's very um, you know aware of the housing uh, and construction sort of uh, growth and the uh, renovations and all that sort of thing, but they weren't exactly uh, not the lights out stuff, given the the, the the tailwinds that the sector really has had. So I think the market was a smidge disappointed, um, but it has you know it has performed very well. So was a little disappointed. There's also some concerns, and um, they've got a U.S. competitor which uh, may be moving into uh, to their territory and fighting them for shelf space as well. Um, in, in Bunnings, so um, we'll see their competitors to uh, to sell it. So we shall see. But um, yeah, the, the stock price has done pretty well, um, but it's just tailed off in the last uh, um, few weeks. I think a little bit of disappointment creeping in. Of course, they backed the wrong. They they backed the right horse there in supporting Bunnings, and not they uh, did not Masters. masters exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, now with the demise of Masters, it means that. Uh, the, uh, the other horse may come uh, munching at their hay. Yes, yes. And Ausforex, the result was down about 2% for the half year. I mean, they, they've claimed they've lost a, a large US customer because of the takeover. I was a bit confused with all that. Yeah, I mean, for those of uh, astute listeners out there who remember this, Ausforex is a, is a company that basically uh, helps you convert your your Australian dollars into whatever currency you like and send it around the world. They were um, approached by a company from the US called Western Union, which is a pretty big uh, company which does the same thing as a takeover. And I think that, that obviously the company got pretty distracted with this and Western Union actually pulled the pin um, some time ago um, for kind of reasons that we weren't really sort of made aware of. But um, it was a big shock. It was almost a done deal. Ausforex were very pleased under the new CEO, Richard Kimber, um, who's an old mate of mine, and they were all pretty pleased with themselves uh, that they got this bid, and then they pulled the pin, and they've kind of had to go back to square one. So they're gradually sort of fighting them their way out of a bit of a hole. But um, it is a business that can be um, disrupted by, um, by other players in that sort of fintech uh, space in terms of currency exchange and making it cheaper to send around the world. So they have to be careful and obviously build critical mass the stock um, has been sort of on an upward slow path since the uh, the shock of the um, of the bid being pulled, and it probably will continue that way. Mm. And speaking of slowdown, Beacon Beacon Lighting Group announced Ooh. yesterday a uh, uh, lower than expected sales growth, and the shares dropped dramatically. Yeah, the shares the shares actually have been dropping since yeah. uh, when have we got since. Uh, the middle of April, yeah. um, they're around two bucks, and they they've been absolutely smashed. Um, previous to that, they were down to about a one dollar seventy, and then yesterday they got down to uh, uh, below a dollar twenty on these results. They were very, um, I wouldn't say massively soft results, but they did disappoint the market. Mm. Um, they were trading on quite a high P multiple, um, and they did sort of suggest that maybe the problems they have 
in selling lighting is is not a um, a systemic industry-wide problem with consumer confidence and uh, renovations. Certainly, um, Nick Scarley just upgraded their numbers the other day on the sofa side of things. So, um, you know, lighting, you would imagine, would kind of go hand-in-hand with renovations, but it does seem they do have some issues, um, and the stock has, has, has collapsed. Uh, yesterday it was down uh, sort of 25%. So um, it's made a little bit of a recovery today, and maybe yesterday was a little overdone, but certainly the figures were dis- disappointing and may point to a bit of a bit more of a slowdown in the housing uh, and construction market than we previously thought. This is Thursday Finance, and uh, Stephen Pritchard, we're in the middle of our market snapshot with Henry Jennings. So, so the Mantra Group, which is a, a hotel management company in Australia, has yeah. purchased the... Uh, Alamoana Hotel in uh, Honolulu. So, yeah. so you know, is this another Australian company's foreign expansion going to go wrong, or what do you um, think? I don't know. I don't know that we should uh, sort of tar every Australian company's expansion into overseas markets as, as a potential disaster. The, these guys know their business quite well. The, the business um, has already got hotels uh, throughout Indonesia and Bali and, and places like that. I mean, at the same same place, but um, they, they certainly. Um, have expanded overseas already. The one in Hawaii is very much set up along the same lines as their current business in Australia, um, and they do try and choose good destinations which are experiencing good tourism uh, um, activity. And also, of course, with Hawaii, you've got an underpinning there with uh, military yep. personnel as well as its uh, as, uh, navy and uh, air force base. So um, it looks like a good expansion. The market's uh, market kind of likes it. The um, the uh, placement was done at $3.70. This currently, the stock's just shy of 4 bucks. has fallen down from sort of 5 bucks recently. There's been some some um, some worries that maybe something like Airbnb would uh, start to uh, encroach on its normal business model, but um, um, I'm not sure that's really going to happen, but we'll wait and see, I guess. There's always potential for disruption, but certainly looks like a good purchase. They've raised $100 million bucks. I think they're paying around uh, 60-odd mil for the hotel. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it, the market seems to like it anyway at the moment. That's good. And one of, one of your markets today's favourite stocks has been in the news again, Bellamy's and Blackmore's. Uh, yeah. Uh, has, uh, the, the China seems to be restricting the uh, imports. Or... Well, it's, I always found it odd that the, the, um, when the, when the uh, trade delegation with Malcolm Turnbull was in China, they chose that moment to sort of flex their muscles and start putting regulations in place on uh, on milk and dairy imports and other grey channel sort of things that were being imported into China. There's been some stories in the last few days that um, we have got one of our logistics companies that sends uh, these grey products into China as suspended um, operations due to regulatory changes. I don't know how long this is going to last, whether it's an overreaction. This is only like a small, um, you know, garage business, basically, that... Uh, packages up tins of uh, baby formula and flogs them into China. Um, so it's not a major thing, but obviously it's, it's enough to shine the light back on the regulatory risk on this. We've also seen a lot of negative uh, commentary on the, uh, the dairy sector, with uh, milk prices falling around the world, um, and our poor old dairy farmers suffering because of that. So maybe that's got some bearing, but you know, looking at something like Bellamy's, um, it's, it's kind of a premium brand if, if milk... Um, does get um, you know cheaper, then it's um, then the input costs actually fall. Um, so you would think it's a good thing, but at the moment it just seems that investors are worried again. But it may be that this is a good opportunity to start uh, looking at the stock again. Mm.
Mm. I noticed that black moles is baby form is the most expensive one in the pharmacist up here. <laughs> you'd, you'd expect that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 20, they, they range got, from... The man's got yachts to pay for. Sorry? The man has got yachts to pay for, after all. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyhow, private equity seems to be circulating uh, the Standards Australia and SAA global businesses. What, what's what's kind of happening down there? Well, private equity, what we know, is kind of a um, is a voracious beast and, and likes to look at um, at other businesses and uh, SA Global, which is a compliance and uh, and risk business. Um, has had some sort of approaches from uh, secret overtures, I think was the way the press yeah, described yeah, it. Like um, and um, it's yeah, it, I mean it's all a bit um, all a bit strange. I mean the, these guys have got um, you know, apparently they've got seven thousand sets of standards and regulations which cover huge amounts of, uh, of, of businesses. But it looks like um, private equity may be circling. We'll, we'll see. But um, yeah. Uh, they, they do like um, like these sorts of businesses. Mm. It has also happened that you know there, there was a buyout proposal in the past um, a couple of years ago from Pacific Equity Partners for uh, 1.1 billion. So maybe there's a, another one in the background there as well. Mm. And speaking of buyouts, uh, JB Hi-Fi is looking at uh, expanding their home appliance yeah. business into the, by acquiring the good guys business. Do you think this is a good move? Um, I don't know. It'll be um, I think they'd have to change their advertising, the good guys. They'd have to change all the names as well. Yeah. Uh, what would it be, JB Guys or Hi-Fi Good Guys? Or, I don't know, but um, obviously with the demise of Dick Smith, there's a bit of a hole in the market. If, if JB Hi-Fi could uh, buy the good guys, I think the, guy that, well, the, the bad guys that would suffer most is probably um, Harvey Normal, um, or Harvey Normal, um, as sometimes known. But Harvey Norman would obviously be a little bit peeved. Um, with JB Hi-Fi moving more into the white goods area, traditionally mm-hmm. JB Hi-Fi have been, you know, more your plasmas and yep. your stereos and your computer end of the market with headphones and those sorts of things, and have really not got involved in washing machines and dishwashers and cookers. Um, and uh, if this happened, then obviously they, they would threaten uh, Harvey Norman um, in their traditional uh, business as well. So interesting. I think it'd probably be a good move for JB Hi-Fi, whether the Triple C would look at it. I don't know. It's early days. Certainly, the good guys have been looking to um, float the company on the stock exchange for some time. Um, but a trade sale might be another option, or they might decide that they could get a better price for uh, the existing owners through uh, an IPO. Mm, mm. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Yeah. Of course, if people want to keep up to date with this, they can subscribe to your. Uh, they can indeed. For a free two-week trial at marcustoday.com.au. Marcus you get it all there. And listen to Henry's wisdom, or read Henry's <laughs> wisdom twice a day. Yeah. Um, and speaking of wisdom, ASIC's filed their uh, statement of particulars in respect to the ANZ and Westpac matter. I mean, yeah. this is some interesting... Well, this is, I mean, this is going to continue to be interesting. Unfortunately, the, the, the sad fact of life is that uh, um, you know, the finance industry is dominated by... Uh, Alpha males with lots of testosterone um, dealing rooms tend to be that kind of environment. The rewards are quite rich, um, bonuses and, and high mm-hmm. salaries. So it is always quite tempting to have a, a culture develop which um, kind of uh, preys on that mentality. And uh, you know we've seen this with uh, these two uh, banks being allegedly involved in uh, rate fixing through the BBSW, which is uh, sort of a, a um, and investors, well, serious investors kind of benchmark that yep. they, they tend to fix and they throw a lot of money
uh, is not a small market, unlike the stock market. You know, they're throwing half a billion, billion dollar trades at these things, um, and the, the small moves can be very significant. And these feed through into other products, mm. which everyday mums and dads tend to be uh, using as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how ASIC go with this one. Westpac have denied all, all, um, all blame, and so have ANZ. So. We shall see, but it's probably going to run for some time. Particularly if it goes to trial. Yeah, I'd I'd imagine that both banks would like to see it go away rather than go to trial. Um, Going to trial doesn't really serve anyone. It it costs a lot of money, and it also um, spreads your dirty linen in front of uh, already Mm. sceptical and somewhat cynical public on banks Mm. already, so they'd probably like it all to go away. The, um, the, the, The potential liability for this sort of thing in Australia is far less than it is for overseas that we've seen some you know, massive billion-dollar fines for, uh, for companies that have uh, rate-fixed or, or what we call LIBOR in London, the London Interbank Overnight Rate, um, and, uh, and other um, instruments over there. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, but I would imagine we'll never get the full facts. We'll just get a settlement, and, uh, and hopefully that will uh, make it go away for the banks. Okay, thanks for that, Henry. So um, we'll pleasure. speak to you again next week and see what interesting things we've come across. And that's Henry Jennings, who's Senior Commentator with Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners, and Stephen Pritchard. We're looking at end-of-year tax planning. It's getting towards that time. It's May already. It's May. We're halfway through May. Yeah. We must have about uh, five or six weeks left to the end of the financial year. And it's the end of June. We need to get yes, everything well, done end by. Yes, the too late. That's mm. after the 30th of June. It's too late. So we just thought we'd, we'd, we'd get in early this year instead of leaving till last week. Right. Um, so, of course, there's a couple of basic things you can do in tax planning. It's primarily looked at uh, bringing forward deductions. So, so if you're thinking, if, you, if, if you're an employee and you need to buy some things for work, such as uh, uh, a new safety equipment or a briefcase or calculator or any of your tools of trade, for example, um, you, you need to buy those before the end of June in order to get a, a tax deduction for those. And, of course, um, the other thing you need to is if you're in a small business, um, you, there's still that um, 100% write-off for plant equipment less than $20,000. Okay. So so if you if you want to go and buy some new equipment for your... And it doesn't actually have to be new. Um, it needs to be new to you, but it can be second-hand. If you want to go and buy some more equipment for the business um, and get a tax deduction in the current year, um, you know, some new desks or filing cabinets or, or some um, IT equipment. We bought some IT equipment at our practice this week. Okay. <laughs> um, although you have to spend a fair bit to get up to twenty thousand IT equipment instead. Yes. Yeah, but it's all you know, the item doesn't have to be twenty thousand. You know, you buy you know several different items. Yeah, so I think we bought up. half a dozen PCs or something that's going to twelve thousand. So, so you get a you get an immediate tax deduction for that. But that has to be actually installed and ready for use prior to the thirtieth of June. So, um, you know, you need to if you're going to put your orders in and, 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 and get that. And I noticed that um, a couple of the uh, uh, IT vendors are actually having end of financial year sales to, to get their sales up, so you can get a bit of a discount. So any, any type of plant and equipment you need for your business, you, you know, less than 20000 you can get that in and get that in and get a tax deduction in the current year. Um, if you're a property investor, um, you know, if the place needs repainting or other repairs that needs to be done and you're thinking of getting it done in the next couple of months, um, you're better off getting that in the current financial year. And, of course, you can also prepay some of your expenses. So um, you can prepay up to 13 months and get a, a tax deduction. So um, if you've got, for some reason, you've got a large income in this year and you're not going to have such a 
large income next year. It might be worthwhile talking to the bank, and you know you probably need to get in quick because sometimes the banks can take a while to get things done. Uh, prepay the next twelve months' interest on your loan and get a, a deduction in the current year for that. So there's there's a number of opportunities you can think about um, in in prepaying expenses. Um, and that depends on your oh, your individual thinking circumstances. That, of course, yeah. but that means this year you'd like more of a deduction than next year. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, really, you know, most things you can do now is just really you know, moving your, your deductions from one one year um, to the other, um, and um, yeah, you know, and of course you've got your superannuation contributions, which we we spoke of earlier, um, your deductible contributions um, have to be in prior to the 30th of June, have to actually be in the fund prior to the 30th of June in, in order to um, get the um, tax deduction on those. So if you're going to make, if you're, if you're um, um, self-employed, um, you've got to have those in prior to the 30th of June, you're, you know, and you're entitled to either a 30,000 deduction or a 35, depending on your age. And um, if you're um, retired, um, but you're under... Um, 65 where where you want to put a deduction in you can put your up to 30 or 35,000 in to your super fund and if you're over 65 but less than 74 um, your time's running out to meet the work test so you've got to work um, 30 hours in 40 days in order to make oh, it 40 hours in 40 30 hours days. yes yes oh, sorry <laughs> it was 40 that. yes you're right you're right 40 hours in 30 days so you, you're going to have to organize um two weeks or so work before the end of the year in order to get a, 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 a eligible to make a deductible contribution to your superannuation fund. So there's, there's plenty of time to, to do all those things, but, but time's ticking away. Right. Now, what about pensions, superannuation pensions? Ah, yes, pensions. Yep. Um, if, you, if you're thinking of the, the um, you've still an opportunity, even in the changes with the transition to retirement pensions, that they're still going to have their tax-free status for the next um, 12 months. So they're, they're probably worthwhile. There's still time to look at those. Um, and, and normal pensions, you might want to start those. More superannuation pensions, you might want to start those um, before the end of the year. I mean, you can, you can actually um, take the payment out now and provided it's equivalent to what you should have taken out for the full year, um, you, you can make the fund tax-free for the, the current year as well, or the pension proportion of the fund, right? Yeah. And for those people who run private investment companies or, or things like that, um, you, you can look at paying a dividend. You need to do them to see whether it's worthwhile paying a dividend for before the end of the financial year to, to get the franking credits on your tax return for this year. So that means companies with shareholders paying yeah, dividends. Yeah, private, private companies. Yeah. Private companies. And of course the other thing is um, for those who people who are fortunate enough to, to make some capital gains during the year, whether on shares or um, um, managed investment schemes or uh, um, selling of rental properties, which we'll, I'm sure you've made a capital gain of yourselves and probably doing it, um, you need to look around and, and, and find out what things you may have that you've got a loss on and you might want to sell as prior to the end of the financial year so that any losses you've realised can offset any capital gains that you've made. Now, most of those were for uh, business-type expenses, weren't they? Oh, business, um, investors. And investors, okay. Yeah, well, really, there's not... For an individual... uh, 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 salary and wage earners, there's really not much deductions you can claim. They have to be work-related. Um, so if, you, if you've got tools of trade, which we spoke about first up, uh, briefcase, um, subscriptions to professional journals, um, uh, periodicals, a number of the um, professional bodies have a 30th of 
June um, subscription membership requirement, so you could pay it this year instead of July and you get a tax deduction. But but really, it's kind of quite limited to what a salary and wage person can actually uh, claim. Right. So all the other things we've covered. All the other things we can talk about, and and you know you, you know anything that's a bit tricky, you probably need to get some advice on it before you yeah, before you go down the track and start doing things. Thank you, Stephen Pritchard. Thank you, Jane. And it will be Thursday Finance again next Thursday after the Midday News. Uh, you can catch this program on podcast going through our website to nurfm.com.